Well, hello, church family. So good to be together in spirit, even if we can't be together in one place. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for this to come to an end. However, we've got to take our time and do this and do it in a way to where everybody will be safe. Uh, after my sermon today, uh, you, if you'll continue to watch, there's going to be an extended session. I'm going to invite you to come back in the church library with me, and let's talk for a few minutes about how we can work our way through our own particular return to business as usual, whatever that's going to look like in the period of time. But for right now, I ask you again to take your Bible and go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and we'll read just one verse there for this morning. <clears throat> you know, I've been working for weeks now on these first 11 verses of the 16th chapter of John, uh, primarily uh, wanting to get to the role of Holy Spirit and the role that He plays in, in our lives and in the lives of the world. But you know, I just haven't been able to get beyond this first verse yet. So I invite you to, to turn in your Bibles with me to John uh, chapter 16. And I want to look just at that first verse for a moment with you today. <clears throat> Jesus says, These things I have spoken unto you, that you should not be made to stumble. Your Bible may say you might be uh, offended, or you might fall away. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be caused to stumble. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we lean upon you right now. We're not really sure at first reading what this looks like, what this means. We know there's been times in our lives that we've been trying to follow you and then stumbled and fallen. What does this mean to the disciples? What does it mean to us today? Help us, Lord, as only you can. We ask in Christ's name, amen. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said. What things? The warnings that he began to give earlier in chapter 15. Remember, he told them, listen, the world has hated me, and the world is going to hate you because you follow me. He's following up the, on that now, and he's going to add to this, we'll see in, in, in verses 2 and 3, that not only are they going to hate you, they're going to very like you, put you out of the synagogue, in other words, persecute you, and some of you will even be martyred, will be killed for the faith. Indeed, as you look at the 11 faithful disciples, uh, 10 of them were horribly martyred uh, in some horrendous kinds of ways. Only John, the beloved, who happened to be writing these words, uh, actually made it uh, to old age. God in his wisdom preserving one to keep this uh, firsthand experience alive for so long. Jesus knew the things that were coming. And he was worried, he was concerned for those he loved. That as these things happen, as these horrible things come into their lives, that they would not be offended, that they would not be, they would not stumble, they would not fall away from the faith. It concerned him. Some, some places these words are translated caught off guard, or fall away, or so you don't lose your faith or so that your faith may not be shaken. Or that, in one place it says, that you don't abandon your faith. Jesus was concerned. What was coming was going to be horrible. It was going to be horrible for him. He knew he would be arrested and would be beaten and would be crucified. He knew all of this ahead of time. The Father revealing it, him knowing that that is a part of the eternal plan 
for his salvation of mankind. But the disciples didn't know. And he was seeking to prepare them. He was deeply concerned that the ordeal that would be before them would so shaken, shake their faith and so challenge them in their belief that it would be very easy for them to turn away. Indeed, you remember what happened. After the arrest in the garden, all of them ran away. Only John followed, and that at a distance. Later, Peter came a little bit closer. But indeed, as Jesus had prophesied at the time that all of these men had pledged themselves to be right there with him, they all fell away. They all stumbled. They all got fearful. They all began to doubt. And when we find them huddled together in the upper room before Jesus appears, it was in their doubts and in their fears and in their, their uh, torture for them each and every one of them falling away, that they were sitting, and then he appeared. And oh, the words he said, Peace be unto you. Whew, how they needed that peace. Well, let's back up and see what Jesus had to say right here. Here's the first point I want you to write down in your notes. Jesus doesn't want us to stumble. He doesn't want anybody to fall away from their faith, to have doubts, to go... To the result of the, them going through hard times to cause them to abandon their faith. He was deeply concerned. And so what he did, he wanted to foretell this to them. He wanted them to be prepared. And we see that very clearly a little later when we get to verse 4. I'm telling you these beforehand. So when they come to pass, when they happen, you'll know that I have warned you about these things. What was he concerned about? He was concerned that the enemy of the soul of the disciples, Satan himself, would take advantage of the horrible things that would be happening to their Lord and cause them to deeply, deeply doubt their faith, to doubt all the things they had seen, all the things they had been involved in, that all of those things might cause them to just walk away from Christ and go back to life as it used to be. So let's look here for a moment. That word to stumble, in our language, the word stumble means to, to, to be uh, something I do to myself. It means if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not being careful, I may stumble and I may fall. That's not exactly the whole picture right here. Because Jesus said, you will be caused to stumble. Okay? For me to be caused to stumble, somebody has to intentionally have tripped me up. I may not be paying attention, but they have laid a snare. They have set a trap. They have a trip hazard there in front of me. You see the difference? One is on accident. The other one is planned. One I do all by myself. The other one is something done to me. You see, there's a big difference there. And Jesus said, I, my, my concern is that you're going to be caused to stumble. Something is going to happen that will cause you to be offended, that will cause you to doubt your faith and maybe turn away. What was that cause? The cause would have been their utter fear for what was going on before them. That the people that they knew were more and more hating Jesus. Now they would be getting to a place where they're going to be taking action against Jesus. And that all came to fruition that night in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when the mob came and Jesus was arrested. And they were all fearful and they all ran away. Jesus had already told them, this world's going to hate you. And in just the very next few verses, he's going to take it even further. That these, this world is going to put you out. 
is going to uh, excommunicate you. And some of you will even be killed. And the people who do this will be convinced that they're doing God a favor when they eradicate you from the face of the earth. We're going to look at more of that a little later. But Jesus knew these things were coming. And so he wanted to prepare them. Would they doubt him? Would they go back to life as they used to have it? Would the hard times cause them to distrust everything they had heard and everything they had been involved with? Everything they had witnessed at the hands of Jesus. He was genuinely concerned for them. He wanted to forewarn them that by being forewarned, they may be forearmed. Listen, my friends. He is just as concerned for you and I today. He knows there are things that are going to happen that can cause us to stumble. You know, this COVID-19, this pandemic, did not catch him by surprise. He didn't wake up one morning and see so many people infected and said, oh my, what are we going to do? God in his great foreknowledge knows all of the things that's going to come into my life and into your life as well. Nothing catches him off guard. Many times he tries to prepare us. He tries to prepare us through uh, our political and spiritual leaders. He tries to prepare us in our prayer and in our Bible time. There are many different ways he tries to prepare us. But when these hard things happen to us, ooh, how they catch us off guard. As a matter of fact, let me ask you for, to ask, what are some of those things that you know cause you to stumble? That you know that can easily trip you up? The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 12, 1, about the sin that so easily ensnares us. We all have some temptation, uh, some sin that is, is so easily trips us up. Maybe it's our temper. Uh, maybe it's our desires. Maybe it's our, our innate pride and fear. Well, what is it that so easily trips you up? It's gotten you again and again and again. It will get you again in the future. The writer of Hebrews says, there are things out there. And we have to lay these aside. We, we have to be prepared for them. And then the scripture goes on to tell us that who is it that's doing this tripping? Who is it trying to trip us up? The same one that was trying to take advantage of this horrible thing that was going to happen to Jesus to trip up the disciples. Satan himself. Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. Or the word can also be translated, his schemes. You see, Satan lays plans. Satan wants to use the tragedies that happen in my life and yours to trip us up, to cause us to stumble, to cause us to question our faith and even abandon our faith. Jesus doesn't want that to happen. What's happened in your life that has caused your faith to be taken into question? What's happened in your life that's caused you to have your faith shaken? Maybe nothing. Maybe that time is yet to come for you. Jesus wants you to know those times are coming. Look here. What did this mean to the disciples? Uh, wh what did this word specifically mean to the disciples? The word is interesting. You're, you're going to recognize an English word as soon as I say this. When the verb form is scandalizo. And the noun form is scandalon. What, what word are you thinking about? 
scandal, right, scandal. That, that something is caused to be scandalous. Well, I tell you what, when, when a Christian, when a pastor falls from their faith and goes back into the world, it's scandalous. For these men, these, these disciples who are following Jesus, after spending three years with him and not only witnessing the things he had done and participating in all of the deeds that he had performed, for them to fall would be scandalous. It would not only hurt them, it would hurt the faith itself. What are some of the things that cause us to stumble or for us to be offended in them? First of all, the Bible says that God sometimes causes people to be offended. Yeah, that God sometimes does things or says things that causes people to stumble. And this by design, not, not just willy-nilly. Of the 41 times this word is used in your New Testament, 14 of those times it really is talking about God doing something or saying something, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, doing something or saying something that causes people to stumble. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself, is referred to prophetically as being a rock of offense or a rock of stumbling. It's in Isaiah 8, 14. And Paul actually re refers to it later in Romans 9, 33. And here's what it says. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So Jesus himself, by just being here, by God becoming flesh, became a stumbling block in the lives of many. There are two specifically ways that we see God causing an offense or God causing stumbling to happen. The first was is some of Jesus' teachings. So some of his teachings caused people to stumble. Remember what happened when the rich young ruler came to Jesus. The rich young ruler, it's recorded in Matthew 19, Verses 16 through 22. You can, you can read that later today if you would. But let me just tell you what happened. This rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Master, what must I do? And that's the key word. What must I do to inherit eternal life, inherit the, the kingdom of God? And see, here's what he was thinking. He had done all kinds of good deeds over his life. And so what, what one more thing can I do to be assured that I have eternal life? Jesus pushed him back right to the Word of God. That's what he does for us many times. What is it the Bible says? And he said basically the same thing. Keep the commandments. By that he was specifically referring to the Ten Commandments. And, and the, the, the young man said, you know, I, I've done that from my youth up. I, I've already done all of those things to earn eternal life. Jesus realized this young man was confused about how you get eternal life. He was confused and thinking, it's something that we earn. It's something we deserve. It's something we do enough good deeds, and then we get to go to heaven. That's not truth, my friends. And so, if this young man wanted to pay his own way, Jesus said, okay, go and sell everything you have, give all the money to the poor, and then come follow me. When he said that, this young man stumbled. That was offensive to him. That was scandalous for him. And so he couldn't do it. And the scripture says he went away sad. He went away sad. But, but, but look back for a moment. Jesus called him to stumble. 
And after the man stumbled, he got back up. Now he had a choice to make. After he stumbled, he got back up. He'd been hit in the face with a reality that caused him to question everything in his life. Then he had to make a choice. Do I dare to believe Jesus and follow Him? Or do I follow my own way of doing life? And he chose to follow his own way of doing life. Jesus' words became a stumbling block for him. He stumbled and fell, and, 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 and all, at best we know, uh, we don't know any more about the story. We'll have to wait to heaven to find out for sure. But best we can tell, this young man walked away and never came back. See, that's what happens when there's a scandal on in our path. That's what happens when there's something that causes us to, to, to our faith to be shaken. We stumble, we hit the ground, and then we stand up, and one of two things are going to happen. Either we're going to say, Lord, help me now as I follow you, or we're going to say, Lord, it ain't worth it, and I'm going away. Jesus doesn't want you to stumble and fall. He doesn't want you to your faith to be forsaken. So he's warning you ahead of time. Look, don't determine your faith based on your circumstances. Your faith is anchored in me. We find in, in Matthew eleven six, Blessed is he who is not offended, who is not scandalized, who does not stumble because of me. Some of the things Jesus said caused people to stumble. His manner of death all by itself, presented a stumbling block for many, many. Uh, the Son of God was crucified, was put on a tree, and the Scripture tells us, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. He, he took our sin upon Himself, so He took the curse of the law, which is death upon himself. And so here, those righteous people would look at that and say, now wait a minute, wait a minute. He can't be the Holy Son of God and be filled with these sins. He, he can't be the, the Christ and then be hung on a tree. That way he would be cursed. Indeed, he was cursed. He took on my curse and your curse upon himself. So, as Paul began to preach... The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The, the Romans thought it was foolishness. But the Jews, they thought it was scandalous. And, and we read in 1 Corinthians 1, 23. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, a scandalon. Okay? And to the Greeks utter foolishness. Pa Paul knew that what he was preaching was going to be a stumbling block for some of those Jews. But it's the only gospel there is. That's the only truth that we each and every one have to share. So sometimes the gospel itself can be a stumbling block for people. Uh, I've, I've often heard, how can I believe in such a bloody faith and a bloody religion? The gospel becoming a stumbling block for folks. But for those who dare to believe, Paul said, it's the power of God unto salvation to each and every one of us. So, there are times 
when God does things or says things that are offensive, that cause people to stumble. Always there's a holy end and a holy objective there. But let's look at the, re the remainder of those times that this word is used in our Bible and see what it says. For here it's about man. And where us as mankind's where we stumble and fall. One place we see that is where we can fall away because of persecution and tribulation that happens in our lives. Jesus told uh, a parable in Matthew 13 about how uh, the sower went out to sow the seeds. And he, by broadcasting, he threw the seeds all over the area. Some of it fell on one type of ground, another type of ground, another type of ground, another type of ground, four different types of ground. But he talks about the seeds that fell on the stony ground. And it says that immediately they sprung up. But very soon they withered and died because they had no root in them. Then when the disciples asked him, Jesus explained this parable to us. What he said was this of those seeds that fell on the stony ground. They had no root in himself, but they endured for a little while. For when tribulation and, or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Falls away. Abandons his faith. He's saying there are going to be some. That are going to make faith something that's easy to just believe in. Just give lip service to it. Maybe do a few good deeds or whatever the case may be. But as soon as tribulation arises. As soon as persecution comes. As soon as bad things happen. They're gone. Who needs God? Who needs faith? Who needs the church? They're falling away. They're stumbling. They're going from the faith. They're walking away from Christ. Jesus said, look, these tribulations are going to come. These tough times are going to come. In Matthew 24, 10, he says, many of you will be offended. You'll betray one another and even hate one another. So we have to guard ourselves against the things that may cause us to stumble. It's very intentional. Satan intends on us to stumble. Now, we may stumble on our own. We're not paying attention. We're not giving our time and giving attention to the Word of God, to prayer, to fellowshipping with believers, to growing in the Lord. And because we're not paying attention, we may do this to ourselves. We may stumble and fall. But there's another sense. And that's the sense that was talk, spoken of in, in John 16. When you're caused to stumble. Jesus doesn't want anybody to stumble, but listen, here's the second point. Jesus doesn't want us to cause anybody else to stumble. This is the necessary second step that you and I have to take. Jesus doesn't want us to stumble ourselves, but he certainly doesn't want us to cause anyone else to stumble in the process. How do you do that? By tempting someone into sin. In Jesus' letter, and recorded in, in Revelation as he's dictating these letters to the churches. In his letter to Pergamos, he warns those who are acting like Balaam, that's somebody in the Old Testament, who, and here's a quote, put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. That, that means Balaam tempted the children of Israel to sin. He laid a snare in front of them. Now, 
Paul really digs into this in Romans and also in Corinthians. And he teaches the church, the brethren, to respect the conscience of other people, especially when it comes to meeting, eating meats that had been sacrificed to idols. And he said this. He said, make up your mind this way. Resolve this. Not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in another brother's way. You know, he said, if, if for me, if uh, eating a piece of meat is just a piece of meat. But, but if I'm with somebody whose conscience is tender towards that meat having been sacrificed to idols, then no way am I going to eat the meat. He said, I, I'm not going to let a piece of steak cause a friend of mine, a fellow believer, to stumble and fall away from the faith. We, we have to live our lives and use our liberties in such a way to never make it difficult for someone else to do what's right. If that means avoiding things that really, really, really don't matter, avoiding things in order to, to help the younger brothers, especially the younger sisters, to go in a, in a, in a Christ-honoring life and continue to grow, then it comes a no-brainer. I have a friend of mine some years ago now who got to sit in the press box at the Astrodome for a college football game. It was a big deal. His host, very great member of his church, uh, had invited him to come. He had two VIP tickets. Oh, they took a special elevator up to the press box. Uh, they went in, they had the best view of the game. Uh, everything you could imagine to eat or drink was set out there uh, behind them. So they, they first really got into the game. They were watching the game and really pursuing it. And then at halftime, my friend got up and went back to the table and he fixed himself a big old sandwich. And Then he reached over and got him an ice cold beer, came back and sat down beside his friend to talk and enjoy the halftime show. And his, his host looked at him in such a disheartening way. And immediately my friend realized, my host, my friend, is a really conservative Christian, and he doesn't drink. He thinks it's wrong. And here I am coming and sitting down in his presence with this cold beer. He, he, he told me later, he said, you know, if life had do-overs, that's one time in my life I'd love to have a do-over. I would have much preferred to get a soft drink because my friend was crestfallen. He was crestfallen there. Folks, that happened to Valeria and I. We were very young. Uh, we had just been married a short period of time. We were going down to Atlanta to have a nice night out to celebrate. And as we came into this very special restaurant, we were walking through to be seated. And over here to one side sat our former minister of music and his wife. Now, we lived four hours away from them at this time. But they had come up from Macon. We had come down from Rome, happened to be at the same restaurant. And there he had, he had a mixed drink in front of him. Now, at this time, I was in my college years. We were trying this, that, and the other. You know how, how you do in those college years. We went over and I sat down. And Valeria and I were both offended that here a man that we had looked up to as being a spiritual leader was now having an alcoholic drink. And then, then things started tumbling into my mind. I said, honey, you and I have been trying out alcohol. We've been trying out everything. 
We say, hey, it, you know, it's, the Bible doesn't say you absolutely can't do it. It doesn't call it a sin. Why are we troubled that this guy is doing it? But we realized we had put him up on a level here of our spiritual leader. And we were really looking at him as if he had fallen. In our eyes, he had. From that moment, Larry and I made up our mind. We knew we were going to be leaders in the church. We knew we were going to give our lives to ministry. We said, you know what? A little can or a glass of alcohol is not worth taking the chance that a younger brother and sister may stumble the same way that she and I had that night. Folks, it's just not worth it. Paul, when he was writing to Rome, he said, avoid any of those that would cause divisions or offenses among you. Folks, it's a grievous sin to cause a brother or sister to stumble. And alcohol is just a little thing, all right? There are a lot of other things we can do to cause our brothers or sisters to stumble. But any way we hinder somebody from growing in Christ, from doing what's right, we put a stumbling block in front of them. As a matter of fact, it even happened to Peter. Jesus had asked a question at one time, who, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, whatever. And he said, but who do you say that I am? <clears throat> And Peter, in his great confession, he said, We believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus blessed him and said, Upon that confession, upon that truth, uh, you know, this is the rock I'm going to build my church on. But then Jesus, immediately after that, Jesus began to teach that he was going to go to Jerusalem, he was going to be falsely accused and arrested, and he was going to be put to death. What does Peter do? The one who's just been had the accolades given to him as being so blessed and so smart and so brilliant. He confronted Jesus and he said, far be it from you. That's not going to happen to you, Lord. He rebuked Jesus. And how did Jesus respond? He responded by saying, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You know what that word was? Scandalon. Stumbling block. Peter, you, Satan has used you to be a stumbling block to me. Wow. For you're mindful of, not mindful of the things of God, you're mindful of the things of men. Peter unwill, unwittingly was being used by Satan to put a stumbling block in the path of Christ. Hey, if it can happen to Peter, it can happen to you and me too. We have to be really, really careful. We don't want to do anything to hinder people coming to Christ or people growing in Christ. We don't want to put some kind of stumbling block out there that would cause them to fall away from the faith or doubt their faith or whatever. The largest single portion of Scripture that, did, uh, that addresses these things that offend, these stumbling blocks, is really found in Matthew 18. You can do a study of that on your own. It has parallels in, in uh, Mark and Luke as well. <clears throat> And in that, Jesus said in verse 7, 18, 7, woe, unto, woe to the world because of the offenses. The offenses must come, but woe to the one by whom the offenses come. Jesus acknowledged that in this world, there are going to be those who trip us up. Sometimes 
inadvertently, sometimes very meticulously and methodically. They're going to be those people. And the person that stumbles, yes, shame on him. But the person who causes it, <clears throat> double shame on him. And you know how he especially pointed that out? He said, I'm particularly concerned about those who would cause children to stumble. Children. Listen to me, parents. Listen to me, grandparents. Listen to me, anybody that has a child anywhere in your life, a neighbor. Jesus takes great, great, great concern about anything anyone would do that would cause these little ones to stumble. He says, <clears throat> But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, to stumble, to give up their faith, <clears throat> It would be better for him that a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow, those are harsh words. Harsh words. That's how, how crucial Jesus takes these little ones, these, these babies, these children. Can I tell you a little bit about Julia? Julia was kidnapped when she was a young girl and sold into sex slavery. Once she loved the Lord and she loved to sing, Jesus loves me. But after the atrocities that were done to her and the things that she was required to do, she came to believe that Jesus maybe loved the other little children, but not her. She was too bad, she was too ugly, she was too defiled by the things that, that she had had to do. Every now and then that little tune would float in the back of her head but she didn't really believe it about herself anymore. Time went on in that horrible slavery she was in. And up in her mid-teens, there was another teenager that was captured and brought into the sex trade with her. Her name was Rose. Rose was a deeply devoted follower of Christ. There were things that happened to her just like it happened to Julia. Things that she was forced to to go through things she was forced to do. But in all of those th things, she maintained her faith in Jesus Christ. She witnessed to those very people who were hurting her and using her and abusing her. And then they would beat her all the more severely. Julia watched her and listened to her witness. And slowly she began to believe, maybe, maybe Jesus does love me. One day, quite a few of the girls were being transported in a van to another place where they would be again, be used and abused. But a horrible accident happened along the way. The driver who controlled them at the time was killed. And these girls were largely unhurt. Rose managed to get them to a church and under the care of some really godly families. And they were able to be rescued out of that sex trade. Rose died as a result of sexually transmitted diseases that she'd picked up in during this. But she had communicated her faith to all of those girls. All of them became believers in Jesus Christ. And Julia is now one of the most powerful spokespersons against the sex trade in Atlanta, Georgia, that you have ever heard. She was violated as a child. And it caused her to stumble. 
But she got up and found her way back to Jesus. And now she's powerfully used in his ministry. I don't know who it was who kidnapped her. I don't know the ones who, who caused her to be in such a terrible situation. I don't know all of those who violated her. But I know this, I know what the Word of God says. It would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and them thrown into the depths of the sea than for what they have done. Jesus takes very, very seriously anything we do that would cause anyone to stumble, and especially a child. As a matter of fact, he goes on in this passage, and he goes on so far as to say, you know, if, if your hand or your foot offends causes stumbling, cut it off. Throw it in the fire. It's better to go into heaven whole. He said, if your eye is offending you, it's better to pluck it out. Go into heaven blind if necessary. But don't cause anyone to stumble. That's how serious Jesus took this. So let's back up a minute. Jesus doesn't want us to stumble. Neither does he want us to cause anybody else to stumble. He knew what was about to come before the disciples. And he was concerned that they may find offense, that they may fall away, that they may stumble in their faith, that they may begin to question and even abandon their faith altogether. And so he wanted to prepare them. He wanted to let them know some of these things are happening. More importantly, the verses before this and these follow says, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit and He's going to be the one that will see you through this. What is it that causes us to stumble? We, we read from Hebrews 12, 1 a few minutes ago. The whole verse says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily ensnares us. What is it that's tripping you up? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it lust? Is it an unforgiving spirit? I don't know. But Holy Spirit can help you to look into your heart and to ask, God, what is it that has caused me to stumble and fall away from my, my wholehearted devotion to you, from the passion that I had for you? The Scripture also tells us that Satan is the one who's behind this. We have to be careful that, that Satan not take advantage of us we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes. What is his scheme? He would use the pandemic on us right now. The loss of job maybe you've had. The fact that you've had to be quarantined within your home. The fact that you're sick. Or God forbid the fact that you've lost somebody you love very dearly. Satan is not a gentleman. He would use whatever you're going through right now to, to cause you to stumble, to fall away, to abandon the faith in Jesus Christ, to just make it on your own. Jesus doesn't want you to stumble, dear friends. 
He wants to be there when you do stumble to pick you up and then to walk right along beside you. Anything He brings us to is because He wants to bring us through. He's brought us to this time of pandemic in our nation and around the world. But it's because He wants to bring us through it. That He would receive honor and glory in each and every step. What are some of the things that tempt us to stumble right now? We're real tempted to close in. To, to, for the world to be taking care of me and mine. And anybody else, you may, you, may be, you may be infected. Stay away from me. Let me hold up in my little place. Eat my year's worth of, of, of MREs that I've got set aside. It's me against the world. That's not how God wants you to be living your life, my friends. You're stumbling. Even while you're being very cautious, even while you're taking every precaution, you can still be sharing what you have and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those who need it. Right now, the temptation is to, to substitute giving for doing. Folks, I make no bones about it. This is a time that, that we are investing deeply into our church family and our community. We need for everybody to be faithful in their giving, but hear me, friends. Giving has never been a substitute for doing. The most effective work you'll do is right there in your neighborhood, right there where you live, among your friends and family and, and meeting neighbors you didn't even know, calling folks on the phone and say, hey, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? How can, how can I lift you up before the Lord? Some people have lost loved ones. They can't have funerals. Others have, have had family members that are in the hospital and they can't go be with them. Does that break your heart? You, you, can, you can call them. You can send them letters. You can, uh, can do things to encourage them in a time like this. Don't, don't fall into the temptation. Don't stumble and fall into the temptation to just make it about you right now. It's always been about Christ. And nothing about this pandemic has changed that. So here's a question I want you to put today. As a Christian, am I a solid rock or am I a stumbling block? Am I a solid rock of faith? Even when I do stumble and fall, I'm going to get up and follow Christ? Or am I a stumbling block? I've stumbled myself and I'm even causing others to stumble. I can't answer that question for you. But under the direction of Holy Spirit, I can ask that question. Because it's a question He's asking me. And it's a question I think He's asking you. In this time, what is so crazy and uncertain, are you being His solid rock? Or are you being Satan's stumbling block? We're going to pray in just a moment. As you ask that question to the Lord, Lord, where am I in this? Help me understand where I am in this equation. Turn your, your, your magnifying glass into my life. Have I been drawing inward and taking care only of me and I've just stopped thinking about anybody else? Or Lord, is this the very time that you're giving me to be bold and do things I've never even done before to share and reach out?
I want you to know your church has not stopped ministering. Through helping hands, through open arms, through uh, masks and, and gloves and, and food. And we continue on the front lines. And where it's safe and prudent to do so, volunteers come in and help as well. But this is not a time for it to be about us. This is a time. How can we bring glory and honor to God? By being His hands into this hurting world. Pray with me. Father God, some of my brothers and sisters right now are down on their knees because they've stumbled. Something in this life has happened and they're hurt and they're confused. They're on their knees. They've got to stand up and they have a choice to make. Whether to stand up and follow you or stand up and walk away. Father, I pray right now that you'll lift each and every one of them up. Let them know of your unending, undying love. Dust them off. Walk with them these next steps. Father, some have realized today, much to their shame, that they've been a stumbling block for others. So we bow before you in humility, seeking your forgiveness and asking you how we can make that right to other people. For Lord, you don't want us to stumble, but neither do you want us to cause others to stumble. This is a time for us to stand tall, a time for us to stand united, a time for us to stand to glorify you in the midst of a world that's going crazy. So Father, we depend on you with all of our weight. Come Lord and help us even now. To stand up. And follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, let me ask you to do something please. Our sermon has come to an end. We're going to have a, some final closing for our worship. But after you finish, I'd ask for you to join me in the church library. It'll be on the very next video that comes up. As we talk together for a few minutes about the next steps we need to take. God bless you. And know how much we love you.